Karen Young is the founder and CEO of the body care brand We The People. Educating on the benefits and sustainability of safety razors, Karen has advanced the shaving industry into a wider conversation around self-care and I couldn't be more excited to sit down with her today. Hi everyone and welcome to Founder Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success, and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable and Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable and Main has been an incredible journey so far, and I decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest for today, Karen Young. She is the founder and CEO behind We The People, the beauty brand changing the conversation around body care. Karen launched the brand in 2017 with a mission to solve her biggest beauty pain point, irritation and razor burns from shaving. Discovering that this was a much wider problem with the shaving industry catering largely to men only, Karen also made it a point to build an inclusive community at the core of the brand. We The People, formerly known as We, is designed to reflect their people of all identities and backgrounds, including their steadfast community of non-binary customers. I love that Karen has clearly advocated that a brand is simply not a brand, especially when it comes to beauty. It informs our culture, our relationship with self-care, and ultimately makes us feel seen and comfortable in our own skin. So Karen, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. What an incredible introduction. You've literally inspired me <laughs> with my own brand. <laughs> it's all thanks to you and what you're doing. You know, it, the words are only a reflection of the, the actions that you've done. So thank, thank you. you. Um, thank you. So I asked all my guests the same question. I'm going to ask yourself. It's who in a nutshell is Karen? Gosh, probably the biggest shift in my identity in the last couple of years is that I'm a new mom. I have an 18-month-old son. And yeah, that's that's actually been really intense and, and a, quite a journey, um, especially as a CEO and founder, kind of taking that on and, and doing it at the same time and sort of managing my time differently, my expectations. So yeah, biggest shift is, is Karen is now a mom. <laughs> but prior to that, you know, I'm, I'm a, a lover of culture. Um, I am a studier of people. Love. Yeah. And I think like, honestly, those are, I could say the things, you know, the things I love, like yoga, or, you know, I love cooking, all of those things. But I think really, I've started to learn that those are like the that's the core foundation of, of who I am. Lover of culture, lover of travel. Yeah. As, as it relates to culture, especially, um, and all of the things that kind of fall under that. So I kind of want to go to the, the beginning of it. So I read um, on the website in the about us section about you growing up and there was an interesting band in your household, right, of, of magazines. <laughs> Tell us yeah. about growing up and this... this- this bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it probably reads as, as more salacious than it than it was. But um, so I was born in Brooklyn, but my family is actually from South America, um, mm-hmm. from Guyana, and yeah. so I was raised there. So I had a really simple. Um, 
upbringing that was very rooted in that uh, incredible combination of culture that was um, Christian. Uh, so I grew up practicing both Christianity and Hinduism, and my family, you know, was this was this blend. You know, my grandmother was uh, half Scottish and half Brazilian, and then we had this incredibly dynamic culture surrounding us that brought all of these things in. Like I prayed at altars, um, I celebrated Diwali, and That's then amazing. I also like <laughs> went to church on Sundays. Um, so this wonderful infusion. Um, is really what surrounded me. My uncles were actually my first introduction to the safety razor. Um, uh, and uh, I just kind of remembered being so inspired by the rituals that they performed every day around taking care of their skin. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it really just shifted a lot of like how I saw myself, how I saw the world. But we, outside of that, I mean, it's funny, the, the men actually seem to practice more self-care in my family than the women did, which, you know, as, as I'm sure you can guess from, from yeah. that type of culture we're coming from, you know, the women were often kind of cooking and, and you know, making yep. sure the kids were taken care of. And like, they're all, you know, we're all chasing each other around the house. Like, don't fall, don't do this, don't do that. But like, okay. <laughs> um and so I don't, I, I remember if my grandmother having like a few beauty rituals, but like this act of beauty, self-care, that sort of thing, you know, other than her putting on a little bit of lipstick on Sunday and she had a beautiful uh, mirrored tray on the vanity with just a couple of, of things on it. That was my, under, you know, that was sort of my understanding of how she processed beauty, um, And so it wasn't a big thing for us. And then when I came to the States to live with my mother, I just remember so (laughs) consistent, like overachieving, um, you know, Caribbean culture, right? Like I was, I was allowed to read National Geographic (laughs) and I watched PBS shows. Um, So that was like the extent of anything sort of outside that was, was allowed in. Uh, yeah. But I remember really specifically, you know, I was like, wow, look at all these like cool magazines at the at the newsstand and so on. And my mother was like, absolutely not. She was like, I don't like what they have to say. And I don't think that that belongs, you know, in the, the head of a young girl. So yeah. I didn't read a like non-National Geographic <laughs> magazine until I had graduated college. And obviously, wow. you know, in college, I could have made that choice, but like you were too busy to like do anything, yeah. but like read those giant books during college. And so I remember like after graduating, it was like, like a pomp and circumstance of my own. Like I literally like marched to the <laughs> newsstand, like right outside of, um, of the gates of school. And I, I bought like Essence magazine or something. I was like, finally, um, so yeah, it was it was really more about um, I guess controlling the narrative that I yeah. was exposed to around beauty and, and how I saw myself. I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about that because I asked often the guests like their first introduction into beauty as well, and you mentioned about um, your uncles and the shaving, uh, the safety razors. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. I remember the sounds and textures and experiences of mm. my childhood um, just so very clearly. And I think we all do, right? When we recall certain things, it's it's rare that we can say, oh, you know, 
you know, I, I remember this like specific red bicycle. It was never, it would never be about the red bicycle. It would usually be around the experience that you had with that. Um, and like who was there with you. Right. And so I think that was kind of my like strongest memory recall was like the things that I found impressionable, the, the smells in the house, the sounds that I heard, um, you know, the things that sort of really stuck with me. And I remember, I really, for some reason, I mean, I loved my uncles. And so I very much enjoyed the experience of like getting up and like running to the back of the house. You know, we had one of those um, bathrooms that's like true Caribbean where like the shower is like just one big room. Um, and and then the, the bathroom, uh, the actual toilet was outside in a separate room and the sink was outside of all of that. And so you had these very specific areas to, to handle your, your morning routine. Um, and I just really loved like hearing the sound of like the swishing of the water in the sink, you know, and then the clinking of the razor on the side of the sink and then the sound and smell of the shaving cream when they poured it into the bowl and then they would mix it with the hair brush, like the boar's hair brush and so on. Um, and then there was a very specific sound of like sort of moving the brush over their face and getting like the shaving cream over their face. And then you would hear that like slight grating sound of yeah. the razor going over skin, you know, it was like that. Shh. And then yeah. they would like shake it out, rinse it in the water and stroke by stroke. And it was just, it was just incredible. I mean, I was watching a beauty ritual happen and they just had such great skin, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I, came here and, and I just think that stuck with me for some reason. It was just like a weird, very tactile memory and experience that stayed with me. Mm. Um, and then I came here and, and I remember <laughs> when I first decided I was going to pick up a, a razor and it was like a pink one that my mom had in the shower. She didn't grow a lot of hair. Um, she didn't need to shave very often. And I was just like, well, she's not using it clearly. Like I need to use it. I got to, I got to figure this out. Um, and I just went to town on my skin and I was just covered in razor burn. And I was just like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, I don't remember this happening to yeah. my uncles. Like that was, this isn't how shaving is supposed to go. No. Um, but I'd only ever had one choice. So I didn't really know that there was something else I could do. It's so true. And I think that's exactly it. It's, it's, it, you know, we touched about in the intro, it's such an uncatered, but still essential, like market, like it is governed by men, uh, razor blades. Right. And there's a lot of innovation around that. You know, you hear that all the big companies are not investing their millions and millions of capital into women razors, uh, focus razors. They're doing it in more men, Gillette razors, whatever it is. And, and it's, and, um, I think it's, it's sort of like, maybe there there hasn't been that that champion like yourself in the industry to be like hang on like why are we like enough is enough like why are we accepting this crappy quality like damaging to skin brands right now when there yeah. should be something that really um is beautiful effective um but also for all right it doesn't have to be just catered to one uh type of yeah. person and that's the thing and exactly and i think you know that's what the difference is what you've done is, is you've you've actually made it the way it should be you've made it inclusive and not um 
okay, I'm going to cater to someone else now because we've not been catered to. It's, I think it's really smart. But I, I do want to talk, before we go into how the brand came to be, because that's going to be a whole story and I can't wait to hear the name, inspiration, etc. I do want to touch a little bit about your career leading up to founding yeah. uh, because that kind of paints the whole picture for us I know you study psychology then you worked at a plethora of different brands including Estee Lauder uh, my first job was at Estee Lauder so if you can like summarize your career and some of the learnings uh, from psychology to your last uh, corporate job yeah yeah so I uh, as you mentioned I, I did um, graduate with a BS in psychology um, from Fordham University um, typical Caribbean you know I was like okay Okay, doctor, lawyer, that's about it. <laughs> I was just like, mm, I don't know, those textbooks and law, like I just, I was just like, this is a little too boring for me. Um, and so I was like, okay, how can I, I'm always curious about people. I love to solve things. I love to find solutions, you know, maybe it's psychology. And so I, I went to, to school for psychology and as I was graduating, I just felt the tug of like, this is your one and only shot, you know, it's, it's going to be so hard to start something and go back after this. And so much to, to my mother's chagrin, I was like, all right, um, going into fashion. Um, and I had actually interned while I was in uh, college with, um, uh, an Italian house that had uh, Gianfranco Ferre and, and um, Roberto Cavalli. And I just, I fell in love with fashion. There was, Outside of the clothes uh, element, which was incredible, of course, right? But there was so much storytelling um, that had to go into fashion. You know, people had to figure out how to imagine themselves in this this clothing. You know, it's it's costumery, and if that's the the right term, you know, it's like um, in in a day to day setting and life. And um, I just thought that was so fascinating. And it really evoked the, the, the psychology student in me because you never actually sold. I worked as an account executive. Um, and so you never actually sold to the end consumer. I wasn't in retail. I was on the back end. So I sold to the retailer who then sold to the end consumer. And you kind of had to imagine who they were selling to to help them put the assortment together and the story together. And when I got it right, um, it was wonderful because we had great sell through and, you know, it's kind of knocked it out of the park. And then you ended up building these really wonderful relationships with the retailers where they trusted you. You know, I'll never forget. I had a account in Texas who this man, I mean, he may as well have been like selling oil. He was literally like, moving through like thousand dollar coats, like multiples every weekend. And just like he would email me on a, a Monday morning and just say, write up my next order for me and just send it. And I was just like, oh, I absolutely love this. So yeah, I, I spent a bit of time um, in fashion, you know, really crafting that and, and um, learning the art of storytelling and as, as it relates through clothing, and then I was actually in fashion at the at the the 2008 crash. Everything just sort of turned upside down, and you like really saw it coming um, beforehand because all of the retailers and the dollars, everything dried up. Stores started to close, and I ended up losing my job. And I said, you know what? I'm going to try something. I was young, and um, you know, 
dumb enough to be risky. <laughs> and so I said, brave enough to, yeah, yeah, that too. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to give this a go. Why not? I don't have anything yeah. really to worry about other than myself. I can eat beans and rice. I actually like beans and rice. I was a vegetarian. Sounds great. Um, and, um, I started my first company, um, in the home goods space. And I, um, actually really wanted to bring at the time you know the home goods space was what i call grayish um it was like everyone was doing like some semblance of gray or beige and i was just like my gosh where's the color where's Where the is joy? that is, is this uh, hammocks and high tea right i think I'm yes about it. yeah amazing yeah mm. yeah um and so i i I did that for a few years and um, it was really wonderful. But as, as you and I both know, it was also incredibly taxing, you know, solo founder, no outside capital or anything. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it really got to a point where I was just, uh, I was absolutely exhausted and, and really thinking about my next steps. Now, that was a wonderful journey from a press and a recognition standpoint. Um, I knew how to sell to retailers. So we ended up in a lot of doors. Um, we also were distributing internationally and, um, I ended up on the cover of a best-selling book called um, In the Company of Women um, and a number of really other great opportunities. And as I was thinking about letting that go, um, I was offered a position at, at Estee Lauder um, working within the packaging design studio. And so that was my entree into beauty. Uh, and then I spent four years at Lauder. Um, what I loved about beauty was there was that sense of storytelling again, but now it like really directly related to uh culture you know and now it like really sort of came back to a foundation of like how do you see yourself in in the world um you know what kind of face do you put on and um yeah how do you think about your experience and yourself as it relates to to makeup and cosmetics and beauty so that was just a, a ton of fun um and of course it That's led me amazing wow what i mean what a journey but also i love that 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 once you have a taste of beauty right you really it's honestly you can't go back it's so um infectious in so many ways because it's it's a beautiful industry of how it empowers people there's so much diversity in it uh, it's never every day is not the same whereas fashion you can be quite repetitive beauty is always inventing itself always evolving um i mean i'm an engineer for four years and i'm now in the beauty industry oh my goodness yeah so i know i mean i thought my my life would be in nasa and um in, in I did electrical electronic engineering and i'm a math and physicist so for me i'm like oh, oh. No, I'm, I'm i mean not just in the beauty i have a podcast in the beauty industry right like that's my <laughs> thing now uh, and i worked in este i worked in dior i worked in a lot of these companies i got trained by the schools there and i think yeah, yeah like uh, este i would say is a very good first introduction into beauty because it's a conglomerate that gives you that sense of um, obviously multiple brands, but it's still at a very conglomerate level. Whereas when I worked at Dior, it was very much like you're Dior, you're not LVMH. So it's a very like, you've got a good overarching view of different pillars of beauty within Estee, but they were very much ahead of the HR, uh, cultural, like uh, just like empowerment point of view of a company standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, when I yeah. was there in 2016, um, I felt really like um, what an amazing first experience to be inspired by the industry. So yeah definitely agree yeah there. lead from your own chair was always like yeah. when I was there I was like hmm <laughs> I didn't know about this and then it kind of yeah. really 
wore on me and now and now I'm like I I actually completely get it. It's a really powerful statement and I and I think um one of the ones that sort of drove me to to find the courage to do this too. So now I want to talk about um current current company, current baby. I mean so Talk us through, I think there's a couple of things. One is how the name came to be, We. Uh, but also I, I saw there was like We Shaved and We the People, like there was a migration mm-hmm. into this. And tell us about the We yeah. Universe. Yeah. yeah, that's great. <laughs> My brand director would love that you said the We Universe. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I started very simply thinking, you know, shave is, is, is huge. There's so many things to conquer within shave, especially the way that, you know, I was, was seeing it from this very diverse and and very, very inclusive perspective. And, um, you know, we shave actually came to me one day, um, on the train, I was looked up and there was a, an ad from, um, you know, one of the sort of incumbent, um, very well-funded shave brands that were directed to men. And I was just like, oh gosh, I'm so annoyed. Like this is what a missed opportunity to be able to speak to everyone. Um, and I said, you know, you know, WTF, like we shave too. (laughs) And then I was just like, I just kind of laughed out loud. And I said, I think I found the name um and you know sort of sat with with that um for a bit and we we launched as we shave and then um you know i i actually spent two years before the launch cultivating what i thought the community would look like um i wanted to be very careful that i didn't go out into the world with a company that only solved my problem or worse made up a problem to solve and so I um, really dug into who needed the the products, who needed the brand, and and what they looked like, what their experience was like, and it was wonderful. I mean, it just gave me a breath of of people that I I would never have sort of seen on my own if I kind of sat within my own silo um, and and just made something out of nowhere. And so. Um, as I got to know that audience over time and, and as they developed, we launched 2017 as We Shave. We focused really on the razor, um, shaving, the experience around it, um, the problem solution that people were experiencing um, mm. with shaving in and of itself. And then as I dug more into the emails that I was getting, the DMs, the conversations, sort of started to see what people were struggling with and who they were on the back end. One, I saw a range of diversity um, yeah. that just continued to broaden as the brand got more exposure and more, more eyes and, and ears on it. Um, and the second, I saw that they were telling me about their, well, first of all, the they no one ever really came and said I'm, I'm specifically looking for shaving solutions. They were looking for ingrown hair solutions. They were looking for hyperpigmentation solutions. They were looking for, um, you know, uh, dry skin and sensitive skin solutions. Yeah. And that was a diverse range of people. And then I also saw that we were getting um, some uh, people who were transitioning. And um, some people who identified as non-binary, and even if it was that, uh, that was a small segment, I was like, "Well, my job, I think, you know, if I'm building a brand that is a true beauty brand and reflects culture, is to actually reflect the culture that is exactly. in front of us, exactly. and that's shifting." 
it's and shifting so I and it's growing you know there's more and more of the segment that we need to um honestly it's like it shouldn't there'll be a point where we don't even have to say it right but right now right. we have to because there's really not many beauty brands truly catering to all right. and i think that's an issue today big issue right yeah and i don't think i you know i keep telling um my one of the things that i say to my team is that like i don't think we need to have to say it over and over. I don't think it's a verbal thing. I think it's a visual thing. I think it is a thing where, yeah, people come and if you do it right, they see themselves. And I think visual is such a powerful way because you even said one of your main icks were when you saw that ad visually, right? And I think that's where we are. um, We, I think people say it a lot, whether they show it is a very different thing. And I think that's where, um, you, you see this with retail a lot too when you get into retail you know you have like images and sh- shelf strip, shelf images and often like even as a hair care brand it's like oh you've got to show diversity so obviously show the main types of hair colors and I'm like mm-hmm. okay but like you know if I only have budget for three models or four models it's like mm-hmm. you know I don't want it to be like tick box but I don't want it to be like I've seen it before but it's like you have to just literally continue like you can maybe just continue to pulse it throughout the legacy of your brand with diversity yeah. and inclusivity so it's not about yeah. oh i have to f- squeeze it in into that one campaign like it's okay in that one campaign sure you've chosen an indian model with dark black hair perfect but then next model maybe you can show the other type of consumers yeah but you have to be consistent throughout it not just in one moment right yeah visually yeah. Yeah. um yeah, yeah. And and the way that we speak as well, I think those are reflections of culture. Yeah, um exactly. you know, the the words that we we use when we think about uh inclusivity, I think it it reflects in so many different ways across the journey of of the brand. Um yeah. so yeah, that that ended up leading me to to think about people and then automatically, you know, um, just thinking about this American culture, which interestingly enough, I mm. am born into, but then I also had this, uh, immigrant view almost, you know, I was, I went to Guyana when I was just two months old, came back when I was seven years old and I lived within this, uh, an immigrant community in Flatbush, Brooklyn. And so yeah. I had this really bilateral, I guess, view of, myself in the world as an American, as a part of the culture, but also an observer of, of the culture. And so this, this idea for me of like, we the people and, and how do I bring that strength to beauty in a way that I've certainly never seen myself represented, you know, like that. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. And I thank you for sharing that as well. Um, I I do want to give a little moment to the beautiful products you've created. So as this is more of an audio stimulated, um, I guess you could say forum, like a way of exp- yeah, yeah, communicating to people. Could you paint yeah. this through your product portfolio today for us? Yeah. And also, can you touch on the sustainability angle of each product too? Because I think it's such an important factor about the aluminum, like aluminum. I say aluminum because, no, so stainless steel, what am I talking about? Stainless steel. Stainless, stainless steel. Um, yeah. Funny how I said aluminum, because actually it should be, in the UK we say aluminium. So I was trying to be like American. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm glad you I? even remembered it. I yeah. was not I'm like, I, I'm such a chameleon to my audience, to my guests. But I was like, I just looked at this and I was like, that's so weird. Why did I say aluminum? I'm, not, I'm never in my 
entire life. I've never in my entire life said I leave him. That is a cultural thing too. Like you actually, that chameleon element yeah. of like, yeah, it's like automatic. It's crazy. So, I think I lived in Paris for three years. So I was like so used to just suddenly like having this like French way of like, chameleonizing myself to people so now whenever I speak to someone I just like don't know where I am similar to you know a lot of different experiences and upbringing you just get all these cultures but um, stainless steel not aluminium (laughs) stainless steel Uh, when I heard I read about it it was the most recycled material on earth there's so much interesting facts that I got to learn on your website so tell us through everything yeah yeah so um, you know I I will say that my very first uh, job was to create a better shave for everyone. Mm. Um, and, and within that, I had the opportunity to introduce the safety razor to women. Um, and I'm really proud of the fact that I, I believe we were the first company um, in the U.S. like to, to really take this stance, certainly since the 1950s when the, the, the first stainless steel razors were a bit available to men and to, to women. Um, and so started first and foremost with efficacy. Um, I mean, that's something like we know that from the halls of beauty, right? And from the, the walls of the Estee Lauder, you are, you are not creating a foundational brand if you don't start with efficacy first and foremost. And so that was the, the first job. Um, yeah. And then we really just backed into like, okay, well, what is the, this is the best razor for the the problems and the concerns that we're addressing it's the safety razor it's stainless steel um and so we were able to build in this conversation of like you know using your forever razor using the razor that would actually last you for decades could be passed down even and really stand the test of time one of the best things um I was able to do was in, in the act of sourcing the razor, there were so few factories remaining in the world um, that made this type of, of razor. And I found um, one in Germany and started the relationship with them. And, you know, they just have, I mean, their engineers, the people who make the products, it's just, sustainability is literally built into their DNA. Um, and just the, the act of producing the products, the way they, you know, pay attention to waste and all of that. Um, it was just an incredible experience that I was able to bring back to, um, our product and, and, and the type of storytelling that I was able to bring back here, um, to the, to the U S and it was a, it was a foundation, um, that I, that I could then apply to the rest of the brand. Now I'm always reticent to, to champion ourselves as sustainable because Mm. I think so many brands pick that up and, and run with it, but we produce products. (laughs) We produce products. We use energy. We use paper. We use you know, raw materials and we ship them around the world. Um, so how could we think about each product and try to turn the dial a little bit on, on each of those with regards to sustainability? One of the most frustrating things, and I know you, you can certainly speak to this as well, is when we think about sustainability, 
there's a broad conversation that's happening on the outside from the consumer's perspective around sustainability, right? And there's sort of like new expectations that have been set, especially over the last decade or so. Um, and you'll have like a few brands here and there come out with, um, you know, uh, like sort of fancy packaging um, that's supposed to be more sustainable and, and everything. But then we, you and I would go to like the shows, for example, and we'd look at those packaging shows. Oh my gosh, you know, 100% PCR or, you know, this like cool new material or whatever. And we very quickly find out it's insanely expensive. <laughs> it hasn't quite been proven yet. Nope. They don't even have actually, good minimum quantities or whatever. The minimum know. quantities are insane. Yeah. And so instead of paying like, you know, 10 cents or, or whatever, it's like we're a paying dollar. like a dollar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, literally. We've got to figure out how not to pass that down to the yeah. consumer because there's another conversation that's been happening that has not included that. And price increases. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And no one actually wants to pay the five dollars that that dollar translates to at the srp by the time you're done so um it is i just i was like if i'm if i'm if i ever am given the platform to speak the truth about sustainability i would like it to be that people understand that it's honest it's it's, it's a journey and it's a journey governed by all our stakeholders, which is including our planet, number one, and things yeah. that we can't control. And I think it's about just being transparent to we're never going to be perfect. What is perfect? But at least there are ways we can measure and yeah. hold ourselves accountable to what we can improve, what we can celebrate and champion, and what we can, yeah, just kind of, um, you know, just tell people about the reality of it. Transparency is key. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so with each product, we just tried to turn a little bit of, of a small dial. And for us, yeah. that was usually beautiful glass packaging that could be yeah. easily recycled or reused. And this yeah. razor that was actually designed to last for a very long time. Um, yeah. I try not to spend much of our time and efforts and dollars on outside packaging because there's, I have never, you could give me the most beautiful box in the world. I'm not saving it. I live in New York and yeah. <laughs> tiny apartment. Like it's not happening. And it's so funny you say that. Cause I was literally like on a team meeting just before about, a PR package for a new launch in Jan. And then I was like, I was like, guys, this is, this is an issue I'm having is like, we're spending like 30 bucks on a PR mailer custom made, but they're going to be thrown out. But then I'm also like, to be honest, like even if I did something keepsake, do there is a space for people to keep it. Even if it's so beautiful, they might still part with it, but they'll just be like, Oh, it's so beautiful. But I can't keep it. What is a way to like, give them something that's like, usable reusable i don't know and are you having the similar issue with like how to like oh gift yeah. things i don't know my <sighs> my design and pr and social team they're just like karen we just can never <laughs> we can never get anywhere with you yeah because you're like eh, let's 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 yeah. uh, not approved yet just one more meeting yeah, on that exactly. and they're like come on we have to go we have exactly. deadlines yeah yeah and then yeah, like I a year you. later and they're like you promised us this a long time ago and I'm like, just, <laughs> like can't do it it's waste it's, yes, it is it's truly waste. waste it's waste um so yeah as as we thought about each of the products those those are just like how we, we really try to think about it and just dial in on really beautiful packaging that could be reused or 
um, there was a clear pathway to recycling. Mm. I think that's one of the things it, it gets really murky in products. And so we, um, keep our products. Uh, if we do use, um, plastic, we, uh, actually look at the color that we use because certain colors are more difficult to recycle. And yeah. so we lean towards the colors that are easier to recycle and just sort of set the, the brand up, um, from, from that perspective. Um, and then, yeah, we have just, you know, the razor is, is, is supported by a core of new body care, um, products. And we just won, uh, the Holy grail, um, award for body acne for our full disclosure, mm-hmm. bamboo and lactic acid scrub. Um, you know, we, we pay a lot of attention to the, the environment within the materials and the raw ingredients that we use as well. So I was really excited to introduce the bamboo scrub um, to the world that, you know, works as a microdermabrasion basically in your shower. It's a beautiful, beautiful experience. Um, Mm. And our latest launch is um, the first of its kind, a plant-based retinol body Um, balm called All in All. Um, It's in pre-order right now, right? Yeah. It's in pre-order right now. And uh, it was actually our biggest new launch um, in terms of like a brand new product. We usually have launched a razor and... um, in limited edition colors, but like this sort of blew it out the water for a, a brand new launch. So we're really excited about it. So cool. And when's it going to, um, in case the episode comes out a bit later, um, is it going to be out in, Jan- in December? When is it going to be out? December. Mm-hmm. December. Early December. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, we'll plan to release this episode around then then. So then people can like experience <laughs> okay, it and go check it. That'd be amazing. Um, very, very cool. Oh, well, so before we go into fire round questions, I do have like, um, talk about products and I have a very mean desert island situation for you so I'm inviting you to a founder beauty retreat um weather wise it could be hot could be cold just no no we don't know yet but generally speaking you can only bring one one we the people product with you what is your one go-to I know oh my goodness imagine you can always keep your shaver because (laughs) the shaver that's fine that you'll have with you so that that you got okay okay um, it would have to be our featherweight hydrating body gloss. And I'll mm. say that because it is my, um, it, it's my, what I call get high on your own supply. Uh, yeah. it's just like the product that like diehard use all the time. I, I absolutely love our bomb. It is my staple. I used it today. Um, oh, but Featherweight will take me through any season because it actually sinks into your skin so beautifully. So that's my go-to. Nice. (laughs) Okay, so fire round questions. This is the first thing that comes to your mind. So the first question is, what's another beauty brand that you're currently loving right now? Oh, my goodness. Oh, fire round, fire round. Um, I'm really liking Say Beauty. I think it's called S-A-I-B. S-A-I-B. Yeah, Lainey. Fun fact, Lainey was my first ever interview on the podcast. Now we're like best friends. And we just did the Everybody campaign with her. And she's amazing. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. She's, I need to like kind of get back out into the world. And she's definitely someone I'd love to. I'll introduce you to her. She will love you. And I'll introduce you to make sure you guys, if you haven't already, but um, and then, yeah, if, there'll be more everybody campaign things the next time you have to come on board it'll be amazing yeah wonderful um, yeah that's exciting yeah, so amazing yeah good one I love her she's the best um, my next question is what's a guilty pleasure of yours oh um, bad TV <laughs> 
like clarify bad are we talking about like reality are we talking about like kardashians what are we talking about not so much not so much reality but like like i am on season 5000 of grey's anatomy and like uh, yeah, i yeah, haven't missed yeah, the yeah, season yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i yeah. like you know this like there's so many things that we have to carry through our minds we just need that day. escapism even if it's just in the Give background the playing you know yeah. i feel you Give i feel me you. the escape yeah yeah it's kind of like where people always say you're always working but how do i watch tv shows i'm like well I need to like watch a, one episode before I go to sleep. It's just like it puts me into like oh, yeah. not work mode. It just otherwise I'll oh, yeah. think about exactly. work when I'm sleeping. I can't do exactly. It. It's a break. It's like a it's definitive a break. break in your day. Yep. Exactly. I'm trying to switch a bit more to which my next question is going to turn to is like a bit more reading, but that's something I need to work on. But my next question is, what are you currently watching or reading? Hmm. So uh, this isn't actually bad TV, but my 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 it's actually good TV, but it's like so good it's terrifying. The Handmaid's Tale. It's like, so good. Oh, so Elizabeth oh Moss. Uh, I when I worked at Dior, I got to really work with her quite a bit. She's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I know she's in that show, right? I haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. June. She is. She is stunning. She's incredible she's in that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is a what an amazing actress. But yeah, so that's going to be a really good show. So you're watching that. Nice. Yeah, yeah, and my husband who swears off TV, he's one of those like, you know, like pinky in the air, I don't watch TV, I watch movies. And yeah. now he's like staying up every night till one o'clock watching Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, it's really good. And are you reading anything right now or more watching? Um, am I reading anything right now? I'm trying to think. No, you know, after having my my I, with a toddler yeah it's just i'm reading no no, no. you gotta prioritize <laughs> kid the baby and 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 uh bad tea and bad tea. that's that's already a lot that's and then it. and then that's building that's a brand on the side a little bit of work there too but yeah <laughs> <laughs> um what do you what's your favorite like social media platform right now what's your favorite one mm, i'm honestly still pretty diehard instagram yeah, um, yeah. i have to say OG. It's, one. It's, yeah 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 because i i love i love tiktok and i definitely get it and i get a good laugh out of it but i love following like people who sort of set the tone for culture like mm. i'm obsessed with the creative director of tiffany's yeah. she just has such an incredible eye and on instagram she'll just like post her inspiration and i'm literally just like screen capping like all the way yeah. um and it's just like you don't get that on TikTok. you don't get that and i think right. tiktok is more like content as opposed to people that you know you would never see yeah. her on in tiktok regularly right it just shows you other things so yeah i do like yeah. it TikTok um, is tv tv also it's quite scary as like a account like the other day like i um I like, I, I I'm not big on TikTok, right? Like I've like like 600, 500 followers and nothing. But the point is, is like on TikTok, I started posting some stuff recently, and then one video got like seventy or eighty thousand views this weekend. But it's so scary because the comments are so horrible because it was basically um it was me and my sister going to 10 downing street and we're invited for diwali and the comments are like oh browning street next to slums and in london brown people should brown people shouldn't people of color shouldn't be in this such a prestigious place like really racist bad comments being like oh i bet they had curry in there and smells it up i mean i I couldn't even make i screenshotted them and i was like Oh my god! But I, I ignore it. But it kind of was like yeah. I don't like this platform. There's no way of like 
protecting anyone. It's just like stupid people yeah. talking stupid stuff. But I don't want that energy, you know. Uh, right. I didn't ask for it. Whereas Instagram, I posted the same kind of content. I got all love from my friends. It was so nice. So proud of you. Like, and this is one of the best moments of my year. And to feel that energy when I posted on TikTok, I actually was like, I don't like this platform as much as I thought I did. Like, it made me really like not want to go on it for a few days. So, mm-hmm. yeah, very weird. Um, obviously, there were some nice comments, but majority were like keyboard warriors i was like i don't want this in my life you know but yeah yeah anyway yeah well i'm sorry to to hear that honestly it happens it happens um, and and the day i i always have to have the energy of like it's not me it's them and that's it let it be you know yeah yeah yeah. um it just it amazes me what people find liberty to do on the other side and the energy they have to put people uh and to judge i think judgmental is is one of the hardest things but same time, it's like, if you know who you are and you know what you're doing, that's all that matters. You can, yeah, but yeah. You can at least choose not to like partake in that by viewing and just like not, I'm like, okay, let, you do you. But I'm not deleting it. I'm not confronting. I'm like, say what you want, but it's just weird. But yeah. But anyway, that's that. Um, next question is, do you have a favorite quote that you kind of like hold close to your chest? Hmm. Um, I don't know if it's a, well, actually, no, there is one that I've, I've been using, I've, I find in the, in the last, um, few years. And, and, and I know you'll identify with this one strongly. Um, but it's something to the effect of, it's not necessarily about, uh, controlling the seas. It's more about being a skilled sailor. Oh, I like that. I find that that is really, really. I've never heard to think about that. on this journey. Yeah, it's it's. No. I, I I really simplified it. I think it is much more elegant and eloquent than. No, than but I like I it. Like but that. it really just comes down to the the basic statement, yeah. like figure. Yeah, be become a strong sailor. Yeah, you can't control the waves, but you control how you how you. That's yeah. so true. And my, my last question is: If you weren't a beauty entrepreneur founder right now. What would Karen be doing currently? Mm, Yeah, my dream job (laughs) is to open, I I guess this still sort of relates to beauty. There are a few things that I love. I I could be a florist, but like a really fancy, fancy florist. I love that. A few beautiful bouquets a day. Um, My dream job is to live in the south of France, have a Mm. tiny little fragrance shop in Grasse. Actually, I went to Grasse to study um, fragrance for the brand a couple of years ago, and that was just yeah. such a wonderful and transformative Isn't Grasse just, it's, it's beautiful. Just stunning. It's stunning, stunning, the, stunning the season. But I read, uh, did you see this recent Bloomberg article? It was like um, climate changes, um, forever changing. Check it out. I, I'm going to just bring it up, but it was basically, it was so sad. It was, um, I've got it here. It was um, climate change uh, is threatening the future of perfume. Uh, oh. Basically, in Kras, uh, they're saying drought, shifting seasons, and frequent extremes of frost, rain, hail, and high temperatures are changing crop yields, oh. ingredient quality, and the scents that these plants are producing, making it very difficult for grass to continue being the hub of. Oh my goodness! Which that is so makes sad. me so sad. I have to go. Pull, I have to go pull that up when we're done. That makes yeah. me so sad. I mean, my I, my idea had been to only make so it's similar to uh, wines, where it's mm. like you. It's about exploring the terroir. It's like mm. to only make fragrances in mm. season 
and like mm. only from what is produced in that whatever limited like, batches ooh. in that time and oh that's you should it. do it um, you should do it i, I know it's a passion I'm project <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll buy some i love that but now i'm now i'm so sad but i guess maybe there yeah. is, is something uh kind you know of what i what dark, i believe in is people are amazing like I, I just believe that when we hear something, there's all people come together to find solutions. The whole world is about adapting and innovating and doing something. So yeah. we'll find it. Look at Dubai. I mean, they built, they build their own climate sometimes. Like, there's always things we can do. Oh. Um, yeah. So, uh, or we can just raise awareness and prevent uh, or slow down climate change issues. <laughs> That's something we should do as well. But yeah, generally speaking, it's a lot of, um, it's, it's, we just have to ride this exactly be a skilled sailor and we can't control the waves we're on now isn't it so that's yeah it. yeah um yeah and do our best as, as people who put products out into the exactly. world to be attentive be purposeful to and, meaningful yeah. and make the industry a lot more i think even like whether it's our stakeholders hold them accountable to be like listen like we have to um, find a more s- sustainable way to ship this or whatever like you know and work with yeah. brands that's why I have this more collaboration less competition thing it's like you know work with brands to like share uh, containers or share you know certain things because when we communicate we find ways that we can actually collaborate and then when you collaborate you can really make a bigger impact um, so that's exactly yeah. um, that's gonna be it. but Karen it's been such a pleasure where can everyone continue to follow yourself and the brand yeah. as well yeah, so uh, we the people, um, we we oh, and it's O U I, um, so we're saying yes to the people. So yes. O U I the Which people. people are, it's, it's yes in French, right? So people. Yes, people exactly. Know, right? yeah. um, <laughs> so we the um, We're on Instagram also at we the people. Um, and uh, yeah, I believe I am K Young One on um, Twitter. I, I I try to get on there every once in a while and and share a little behind the scenes of what it's like being a founder. So definitely come say hi over there. Well, I'll put all the links and the summaries. People can just go tap tap away. And um, it's been such a pleasure. Next time I'm in Brooklyn, New York, or I'll, I'll come. Uh, we'll come. Oh my gosh! Meet please you, do we'll catch up. And if you're in London, let me know. But I think I'll be more often in New York. Like. <laughs> applying for an 01 right now visa so i'll be there all the time next year so we'll catch up oh amazing. wonderful yeah i'd love that amazing well thank you so much for sharing such an incredible story um and uh, so eloquently told as well so i'm sure many listeners will be very inspired and hopefully the, the bomb is out right now too by the time we release this so definitely go pick that up guys as well if you're gonna try a new product with the razor as well so, yeah. wonderful thank you. thank you so much for having me akash this was amazing hope you enjoyed this episode of founded beauty as much as i had making it and if you did please share it with a friend who you think will love it too founded beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as apple Podcasts, spotify amazon music podcast the acast app and many more and i'm also very proud to be part of the acast creator network to be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop we really appreciate every single follow listen share and review it truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. So as a little thank you, I will be hosting a giveaway each week on my Instagram channel at meta underscore a, where you can win some amazing Fable Main goodies. All you have to do is follow me, check out my stories and all will be revealed. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops.